All right, folks. I get to say it again because I'm doing announcements and the sermon. Happy Sunday! <laughs> this church is my favorite community in the history of the world. I am super grateful for your part in it, whatever part that you might be playing in this community. Today, we are going to take a look at God's plan to bring the whole world into a loving relationship with God through, of all things, people, specifically the church. The church is a chosen people of God who are designed, called, and even commanded to love one another and share the good news of Jesus Christ to all of creation. God's call in Scripture starts with a specific people, and then through Jesus Christ, God's call comes to include all of us. Now, I have struggled with the nature of church ever since COVID took our meetings from us for a while. Online church was really difficult for me to connect with, and I lost some of the sense of mutual love and mission to the world that have been so important to me in the past. I know online church worked really well for some of y'all, and honestly, you make me feel a little bit guilty. Like, I wish I could do a little bit better, but for some reason, I just could not get there. I need the embodied presence of the people of God, the hugs, the communion, hearing y'all sing when I take a break for a verse. All that stuff means a lot to me. And so I have wondered if the benefits of church faded so quickly when they were taken away, were they even real in the first place? And then I went to a music festival last week where everyone proclaims that they are family. It was five days of camping in 90 degrees with 95% humidity. Super fun. Uh, as has always happened in my experience at gatherings like these, in communities like these, when they are not centered in Jesus, it falls so incredibly far short of church. Despite all our flaws and failings, I have come back more convinced than ever that the church isn't just a part of God's plan. The family of God's people is actually God's whole plan to transform the world through Jesus Christ. Now, I've known this with my head and with my feet for a long time. I have known and agreed with God's plan by reading the Bible in my head that the church is God's plan. And I have behaved like this is God's plan. I go to church a lot. You know, I've been going to church a lot for like a long time. I was doing that before I was a pastor. Now I'm pastor and I'm here pretty much every Sunday. But I have always wondered in my heart, maybe I'm just especially screwed up and weak. And maybe some of my friends are especially screwed up and weak too. That's easy to understand, right? Uh, and maybe we just need church and maybe other people don't. Maybe not everyone needs the family of God. After a week in yet another version of this kind of extended family, and after reflection on all the communities that I have been a part of in my life, I've always been drawn to subculture community groups, I am now convinced this is actually it. The Bible is actually true all the way down. The church may fall short of our dreams, but it is not the backup plan. It is the centerpiece. God's plan for the people of God starts in Genesis, the first book of the Bible in the creation story. In that story, God creates humanity to be stewards of all creation. God creates Adam and Eve to nurture and oversee everything, naming the animals, enjoying the fruits of all the trees but one. Our original job as human beings is to love and care for creation. That's good news right there. 
That's a job most of us don't have that much trouble getting behind. Autumn is nearly upon us. Now, I know if you're terrified of winter, that might be a little bit scary, but just think about autumn in and of itself. The streets of South St. Paul are about to become cathedrals that we get to walk through for free, decorated with changing leaves that are more beautiful than any painting or picture can communicate. The air will be crisp. The leaves will swish as we walk through them, and we get to enjoy God's loving gift of beauty for free, just because God is generous and good. From the very start of the world, God gives humanity everything God has made for us to care for and enjoy. Now, ultimately, humanity screws everything up. That's a theme that we'll run into again and again in Scripture, and it's a theme that we run into in our lives, right? People get prideful. They go against God and God's ways. And this leads to alienation between people and God, among people, and even within ourselves. And over time, these sins, which is what we call anything that goes against God, lead to horrible situations on the earth, like slavery and oppression, for example. And so God in Scripture decides to rescue a specific people and call them back to the work that we're made for in the first place. The Israelites are a nation of slaves. They're being ground into dust, by the Pharaoh of Egypt. Their work is made harder and harder. They are treated horribly. And by the time of God's rescue, the Pharaoh has ordered that their male children be killed because there are enough of them that they could rise up and rebel. And so God puts an end to that. First, God calls a shepherd named Moses to lead Israel to freedom. And that whole story is called the Exodus. And it is filled with miraculous signs of God's power and dominion over all of creation, from the rivers to the animals to the heavens. And the people of Israel are set free from Egypt and given gifts of gold, and they head out into the wilderness toward a new land that God promises will be theirs. And that takes us to our first lectionary reading for today from Exodus 19. Those of you who follow the lectionary closely will notice I'm using Bible readings from the coming week, which is entirely because I read the plan wrong. Our worship pastor was like, I don't think those are the readings we're supposed to use this week, Pete, but you're the pastor, go for it. And God bless you, Courtney, for your patience and forbearance. I'm going to go for it. Um, fortunately, God speaks through the whole Bible, and these passages actually match up closely to what God's been doing in my heart lately, so it feels like a divine coincidence for me rather than a mistake of memory. So, Exodus 19, verses 1 through 6. Exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai. After breaking camp at Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth, for all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. Now, there are a few things going on in here that are pretty important. First of all, God sets his people free. 
That is God's business, and it always has been. The oppressed, the enslaved. God is in the business of setting them free. Two of my favorite verses in the whole Bible are what I call Jesus' mission statement. These are the verses that he used to launch his public ministry. This is what he said at the start of the whole thing from Luke 4, verses 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim captives will be released, the blind will see, and the oppressed will be set free, and the time of the Lord's good favor has come. God is always for the oppressed. And in the Exodus and in Jesus, we see that God takes action. The next thing we see in Exodus 19 is that God has set up a covenant with the Israelites. That's like a lifelong, enduring contract. They will honor God, and God will make them a whole kingdom of priests. The job of a priest is to point people to God, and that was God's call for every man, woman, and child in Israel. They were to live lives that followed God's laws, and these laws were so much more good than anything the world has ever seen. God gave them the Ten Commandments and so many other laws that would have changed the world forever. Laws like always leave leftover crops in the field so the poor have enough to eat. Laws like every three years give 10% of your income toward a party that you throw for your household and the poor and the temple workers and throw that party in my presence and have fun. Laws like the jubilee, every debt, no matter what size, periodically forgiven and wiped out for good. The idea here is that the Israelites are going to live generous, good lives of service and love. And by doing so, the world around them would be drawn to a generous and loving God. And it also says in these verses, all the earth belongs to God. Everything is God's. Not just what we give God, 1% or 10% or whatever. Everything and so God is going to stick with his plan for creation, the plan he's had since Adam and Eve. God's goodness would multiply through people fulfilling our role in the world. Now, unfortunately, as people, we keep falling short of the plan. In the Bible, we see the Israelites fail to follow even the most basic of God's laws again and again. And so we start to see in the scripture these prophecies throughout the Old Testament that God is going to fix this situation by sending a servant to humanity who's going to show us true human life and through whom the Holy Spirit of God would be poured out into the world. These prophecies are ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. God saw that we are not able to hold up our side of the covenant, and so God just fulfills both sides. God came to us, the Son of God, in the form of a human who always did good, always healed, loved, and spoke freedom. Jesus shows us what it's like to point toward God with our whole lives. He lived such a good life that the religious and political powers of his time put him to death because they th he threatened their hold on people. The people knew he's showing us the real truth about God. Not these leaders who lay burdens on us and make our lives harder. 
Jesus criticized everyone who used their power to burden other people, and that is ultimately what got him killed. But that was not the end. After three days, Jesus was resurrected. And then he started showing up to people, a handful at first, and then to hundreds, many of whom shared and wrote down what they saw. And through Jesus, God's ultimate plan for people began to take root and to spread in a new way. Jesus ascended to heaven, and in doing so, the Holy Spirit of God has been sent to us. And now all of us have a direct connection with God available to us right here on this earth as God speaks and moves through the Holy Spirit to all who believe. Every one of us has now got the chance to be the people of God and to take part in fulfilling God's plans for the people of God, which are that everyone, everywhere, would see God's goodness and love and power and come into a loving relationship with God. 1 Peter 2.9 says, You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation called uh, let's see, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Now, this is crazy because life is super hard and we are super limited. Some mornings I wake up and feel like a world changer, and then there's 364 other days in the year, right? Sometimes I wake up and feel like the world is winning and I'm holding on by a pinky, and yet God still has this purpose, call, and command for us to be the people who point everyone else toward God. How on earth can we live that out? The answer is that individually, none of us can. On our own, we are never going to get there. At least I'm not. But together, empowered and equipped by the Holy Spirit, the very gates of hell will not prevail against the church of God. Together, we are the body of Jesus Christ, the perfect human who can accomplish the purposes of God. Together, we can do things that are impossible alone. And that brings us to our central text for today, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 27 to 31. Let's read that. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, and those who speak in unknown tongues, unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. And so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Now, there's a lot going on in this passage. First of all, it's so clear. We together are the body of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 is full of verses about how we are actually a part of one another. Each of us, no matter how big or small, no matter what it is that we bring, 
1 Corinthians 12 is about belonging to one another, especially for the benefit of those who are weakest or in the most need. And this image of being parts of one body is carried throughout the New Testament. And it's a great picture of how we're designed for connection with one another as the family of God. We're a part of one another so that we can serve one another. The gifts of the Spirit in this list and in other lists in the Bible are either for serving others or for building us up so that we can get back to serving others. Service is one of our central values here at River Heights Vineyard, and we've had so many people whose lives embody service. John and Sue Marsden, our founding pastors, showed us lives of service for more than 30 years of being pastors here, and they keep on showing us what service looks like now that they are retired. Pastor Gay and Justin and myself, all of us served, like, a lot <laughs> before we were ever hired to do ministry jobs, because that's just what we see Jesus doing through other people who follow him. And so many of you have demonstrated lives of service, from the 80 volunteers it took us to run kids' ministry before COVID, to the many of you who show up to make coffee, to greet people at the doors, to cook food for funerals, to those of you who serve at Celebrate Recovery and with loaves and fishes, I just want to say thank you for being a community who serves. And we are called in this passage to earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. That's a call that takes a heart of humility and service. These gifts are listed in an order. And it's listed like first are the apostles and second are the prophets. And I'm always like, ooh, it's an hierarchy and I'm supposed to be against those. That's bad. But the hierarchy in scripture does not work like hierarchies here in this world. As a pastor, I have seen firsthand the cost and the need for service is greater the higher you move up on this list. All of us as Christians are called to serve in whatever immediate circles we find ourselves. But then as God releases spiritual gifts, as God makes people gifts to the church, we're called to serve and serve more and more people. And this is actually what makes the body of Christ work. We help each other. And our spiritual gifts are never for personal glory. They are given to build up other people. That's how we become a community that functions as the body of Jesus Christ, by serving each other in servant love. Jesus Christ came not to be served, but to serve. And he's given us an example of how to live ourselves. And so I want to challenge you, church, as you grow in Christ, be on the lookout for ways to serve God's people. Pop quiz. What would Mona, who works with loaves and fishes, like us to do this week? Come and eat with people. How often do you get an invitation to change the world by making something happen that is beyond any one of us? I don't know about you. I don't get them all the time. I want to encourage you to set aside one night this week or one night next week or one night once a month or whatever works for you and your family to come here, eat food, listen, and share whatever stories God might give you to share. And ask God to give you greater gifts for service. God is generous and he will answer your prayers as you are faithful with the gifts of service that God has already given you. 
Because God's plan for humanity actually depends on us showing the world God's goodness. Look around you. How on earth is this room full of people going to be a nation of priests? How are we going to be a holy priesthood? The answer is with a lot of help. Amen? Like a lot of help. And most of that help is going to come through us to one another. And when people outside the church look and see a whole community of people using what God's given them to serve other people instead of for their own glory and benefit, the world is going to be amazed. When I'm out in the community around us, the top things that cause people to respond warmly to this church are the free meals signs and the fact that people are constantly here doing ministry and being ministered to. God is using the church, the body of Jesus Christ, you and me, to change the world. The last three years have seen an epidemic of churches closing. 20% of churches are gone. 40% of pastors in America who are still employed say they would like to quit. And there has been a mass exodus of Christians into the ranks of what we're calling the deconstructed, people who were following Jesus in churches, but who have given up or are going through crises of faith. And as the pandemic swept our country, we had to give up meeting together for a while. I don't know about you, but my experience of church at a distance is that I did not feel like I was a part of something anymore. I lost the sense of community and mutual love that makes River Heights Vineyard so powerful in helping me serve others. And I think that happened to a lot of us. And I think that in losing our connections, many people have felt like maybe church isn't for real. Like I went and I believed, but now I don't go and now I'm not sure. Maybe there's no lasting benefit to the commitments we make to each other, to helping people love God, love people, and change the world. Maybe the whole enterprise is not true in some way, because now that we're not meeting, I don't feel that way. Now, if you have experienced that, I want to encourage you. The good things that come from being in church are exactly the reason God commands us to keep on meeting. In Hebrews, the Bible says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but rather encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. God knows that the challenges of life are constant. And God has chosen us, the people of God, to overcome those challenges and reach into the whole world with the message of Jesus Christ. And in order to do that, God tells us, keep on meeting together. Keep on serving each other. Keep on doing good and encouraging and holding tightly. Because before we know it, Jesus Christ is coming for us. And so I want to encourage you, friends. Do not give up. Recommit yourself to being a healthy part of the body of Jesus Christ, gathering together with other believers to encourage and serve and to be encouraged and to be served. The whole cycle of gathering and building each other up and serving each other so that the world can see and know that there is a good God is God's whole plan to spread the message of Jesus Christ in the world you are a part of the plan, and your presence here makes all the difference in the world. 
As we head into our tips, and I invite the worship team to come back forward at this time, I want to let you that start it know that starting next week, we're going to have a new season in our preaching. First off, Becca Buncher, our children's and youth pastor, will be preaching for the first time on a Sunday. After that, the following week, we're going to preach a series on the way forward. How are we going to stay on the mission that God has given us as a people? And that means we're going to be done with our Bible reading plan, at least for a while, at least till the end of the year. I am super grateful for all that God has done through our daily readings. And if you want to continue them, you can find them online by Googling Revised Common Lectionary Year C which is the Bible reading plan that we have been following. I have really enjoyed the readings as I have participated in them. God bless you as you do so. Uh, as we transition into worship, I want to invite you to stand as you are able, and I'm going to share three tips with you for putting the Word of God into practice as we have received it today. Tip number one, read 1 Corinthians 12. It is full of beautiful language about how we are the body of Jesus Christ together. Tip number two, Pray for a heart of service. That's praying for the heart of Jesus Christ. That's a prayer that God is generous and will begin to answer as you seek God's help in becoming a servant. Tip number three is do an act of kindness or service for another Christian this week. If you come here often, you know I'm not always like do good for Christians. I'm very often like let's do good for the whole rest of the world. But today's readings really point to how it is our acts of encouragement toward one another within the body that empower us to be the people who point to Jesus for the good of the rest of the world. And so I just want you to find someone. I heard a guy after church walk up to another guy and say, I'm supposed to do something good for a Christian. What can I do for you? The guy said, I don't know. He said, how about I take you out for pizza? He said, that would be amazing. And so just find a person and do something good for them. You'll feel good, they'll feel good, and we'll be built up, and we can get back to the business of serving and loving the whole world in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, as we transition into worship, I'm going to lead us into prayer. We're going to worship together, and the team will let us know when it's time to go. And I want to encourage you to continue praying as we worship. If you're on the prayer team, could you come forward at this time? We close with worship and prayer because it is the most important thing that we can do when we get together as the body of Christ. And we have people to specifically pray for you if there are things you'd like prayer for. I have two things on my heart that I felt like God might especially want to bless. The first one is those of you who need reconnection. Um, I have needed reconnection and thankfully God has done the work and I am finally experiencing my heart being fully in. And I just want to encourage those of you who have felt like there's some barrier in the way in your participation in the family of God, come and get prayer. God's in the business of making us one. The second thing I thought people might want prayer for, if you would earnestly desire the greater gifts and you're ready to use them in service to other people, let's ask God to pour those gifts out. It's actually the command of scripture to earnestly desire these things. We would love to pray for you that you would experience a fulfillment of the scriptural command. And so God, we come together before you in gratitude for giving us a good plan for showing your love to the whole world. And God, we need your encouragement and your servant love from your Holy Spirit and through your spirit from one another. And we ask, would you make us a people of servant love for other people here and for the whole world? We wanna be your royal priesthood. We wanna point people to your goodness and your love. 
It is the cry of our heart that people would come to know you through our lives, God, because you have been nothing but good to us. We're going to worship you. We're going to pray with you, God. We ask that you would meet us as we do so. Holy Spirit, 